This podcast is powered by The Plug. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Hustle Bunny. I am your host, Miss August Sky. Um, well, we're back. It's the first podcast of the year. Absolutely. Um, and today, I have the pleasure of being here with a good friend of mine, author, poet, and um, adult film creator, Hunter Stallion. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having Thank me. Thank you for being here. Welcome, welcome. It's always nice to have a male... Um, performer, a male perspective, male performer. So welcome. So um, kind of talk to us about who you are, what you're about. Yeah. Um, you know, that's a big title. You got author, poet. Right. Let's kind of start with yeah. that. Uh, so yeah, just a little about me. Um, I was born and raised in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Um, mm -hmm. There's a huge uh, writing and spoken word scene. So that's kind of where I got my bearings. Um, I do consider myself a full-time adult content creator, but my main passion, vocation is, is writing and, and spoken word. And so that's a huge bit of where I come from. And I, I think I mix a little bit of that story and narrative in my adult content creation. Um, so that, that storytelling aspect is, is definitely really huge for me, for sure. Yeah, I was gonna ask that. I was like, do you, when you do like your spoken word and things like that, do you find it to be more sensual? I, honestly, I feel like the intersection between poetry and pornography is like right there. I feel yeah. like it's it's really intimate. It's mm -hmm. really like an autopsy and you're giving yourself away and whether you're on a stage or whether you're, you know, on an adult site, like mm -hmm. it's it's very vulnerable. And I have a tremendous amount of respect for both creatives and mm -hmm. for people who do sex work um, or anything related to sex because that vulnerability is, is where a lot of power lies for sure. Absolutely, that's very well said. Thank you. Um, I don't think anyone's ever explained that <laughs> scenario as well as you did in that just one in that one statement. Thank you. Um, so, kind of talk to us. How did you kind of get yourself into the adult um, entertainment or adult creator yeah. side? Because everyone kind of has like a different yeah. story. So, I always joked, even when I was like in high school, that I always wanted to be a porn star when I grew up. Like right. that was like a, a running joke because I, I was always so enticed by just that world. Um, mm -hmm. I, I thought pornography was so interesting. And growing up very um, repressed, um, growing up in central New Mexico, mm -hmm. you know, uh, the product of Judeo-Christian Anglization, mm -hmm. my sexuality was something that I was deeply ashamed of. And so um, for a lot of queer men, pornography is like the, the first vehicle that we ever experience, you know, a, a different kind of body or the body that we like the most. And so that was the safest way for me to do that. Um, and that was a whole gateway for me. Um, and, you know, at the time it wasn't even something scary. It was just, you know, being able to see a man for mm -hmm. the first time and not feel ashamed of it. And so that's kind of where it, it, it started for me. Okay, very nice. And yeah. how long would it, would it take to you to get like that acceptance? Because I know when you when people are coming out, um, whether it be queer, you know, anything that they're doing with themselves. Like for me, I've always had this in, in, inclination to want to do sex work. I don't know what yeah. it was. I used to always like yeah. joke. I was like, I always wanted to wear like... I always wanted to be like a stripper, right? Yeah, so yeah. I was like, I always want to wear heels all the time and be like sexy. I was like, I could either be a lawyer and just wear like a tight little right. pencil skirt, you know, or like play into that fantasy. But I think there's like this deep rooted sense of understanding who you are as Absolutely. a person, but also being, like you said, ashamed. Because I would feel ashamed about that. Because I remember I was like watching porn at like a young age, not out of like 
any sort of like sexual um, desire, but more of just like curiosity yeah. and more of like, oh, like these women look like they're having fun right. or like they look like they're, you know, they're smiling or they're laughing. Like right. same thing for like Playboy. So my dad collected Playboys and would keep them around the house, like not around the house, but he would put them in his they were bedroom. Around. They were around, yeah. And I like, once I found out what they were, I was like, I would like sneak in and like read them and then put them back like perfectly. But I always had like this um, urge to say like, this is who I am, but it does make you feel a little bit more isolated because like do other people feel like this, right? you know, like, and like for you, it's like, am I sinning? Like, is right. this like a terrible thing? Absolutely. And well, and that's kind of the funny thing is like, the more you talk about sex work, like openly, the more people are like, I've always wanted to start an OnlyFans or like, I've right. always wanted. And so it's like, it's more common than you realize. I mean, the more people you talk to, like they're at least curious about it. Like they want to know, they want to ask you questions. And so I think that speaks to like our own nature as just like sexual beings. We're, we're curious, we're voyeuristic, like mm -hmm. we like to watch and sometimes we like to be involved. And I think pornography is, is a way to do that. And before it was online, it was pamphlets and illustrations. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. you know, there's hieroglyphs of people having sex. And mm -hmm. so we've always felt the need to document what we do outside of just doing it. And so I find that very interesting just in terms of like human sexuality. Um, yeah. Yeah. And how long, um, how long have you been doing OnlyFans and things like that? Did you have any previous work like working in like camming or any of that? Or yeah. was it just like, this is who I am. This is what I'm doing. I'm going balls to the wall. So I think for me, um, I always liked recording my sexual encounters. I was always just very curious and voyeuristic and I, I didn't do it a lot, but it was always kind of like something special that I'd have over the years from really cool encounters with different people, um, always, you know, consenting, of course. Um, but being able to have that experience really gave me like a taste for being like, you know, I like seeing myself on camera and I like seeing other people and going back to these encounters more than just thinking about it. And so um, I remember there was OnlyFans started kind of like as a diary for me. Mm -hmm. And I remember long before I actually started doing it like publicly, I would just kind of upload things here and there just so that they were like displays of my sexuality and, and mm -hmm. things that I was really proud of. Um, but it wasn't until about two years ago, kind of when the pandemic was doing its thing and right. we we're all kind of getting shaken up, mm -hmm. um, that I really gave it a try. And I also um, started advertising my stuff, you know, posting on Reddit and mm -hmm. making a Pornhub account and really inviting people to see. And almost immediately, people were uh, really attracted to the kind of content that I did. Um, you know, it was very niche and it was very fetish. And so it allowed people um, to really just kind of zone in on that um, if they felt like it applied to them. And so that's kind of how I got my start. But officially, it was about two years ago. Okay, two yeah. years ago. Yeah, I feel like the pandemic really put us all into like a position where it's like, all right, well, oh, I'm yeah. at home. We'll try something. Um, it's now my time to shine. Um, so kind of talk to us. What is your niche? Um, yeah, so my niche, um, I would say, would be race play, and I also do a little bit of degradation. Um, the main element that I employ within my pornography is I like to use archetypes and costumes. Okay. Um, so my partner, his uh, stage name is Mr. Wasp, and so uh, we're an interracial couple, and so there's always that element in any sort of play that we do. And so I have different elements from uh, police officer uniforms to military mm -hmm. uniforms to our most controversial one, which is uh, the red MAGA hat that he sometimes wears. Mm -hmm. um, and all of these are meant to represent different archetypes that I either am attracted to or struggle with. Um, and our brand, Wasp Hunter, is more or less me kind of shadow boxing with those different archetypes. Um, Thank you for listening to this episode. If you or your company are looking to jump into the podcast world, now is the time. The Plug Agency is here to connect you to the full power of podcasting. You just record and leave the rest to us. The people are listening and want to hear from you. Theplug-agency.com. That's theplug-agency.com.
Click the link in the episode description for an exclusive offer. 911? What's your emergency? Yeah, somebody's just broke into my house. Okay, we'll get a unit over shortly. Okay, please hurry. Real quick, can you verify your race for us? I'm black. No, I'm... I'm sorry, I'm white. I'm, I'm full white. Okay, can you answer a few questions just to confirm? Okay. Okay, how do you feel about Black Lives Matter? All lives matter. Nice. Did OJ do it? F yeah, he did it. Okay, who's the best boxer in the United States? Jake Paul. King of R&B. Justin Bieber. Okay, last question. Say ask. <clears throat> X. Oh, fuck. No, hey! As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Yeah. Okay, nice. And for those who don't quite understand what race play yeah. is or degradation, is that the right word that I just say? Degradation. It's a weird Degradation. One. <laughs> it doesn't roll off the <laughs> right? tongue as like, nicely as it should. Um, kind of explain to people what that is. Yeah. Um, so I think race play is a very interesting genre because if you look it up like on Pornhub, you won't really get anything. It's kind of somewhere in between. It's kind of a gray zone. Um, and some people like it and some people don't. But I think for me, how I would describe race play is a sexual encounter where you bring your identity to the forefront of the encounter, mm -hmm. um, whether that's a power play dynamic or just recognizing it. Um, for me, you know, I'm a queer, submissive man of color. Mm -hmm. I'm Afro-Latino. And there's no way that I can engage in that submission without being somewhat aware of my identity and how it affects different people that I'm attracted to. And because I'm in an interracial relationship and most of my partners have been white men, I have to acknowledge that history and how complicated it can be. Um, and so for me, there's no way that I can indulge in my submission without being aware of that history. Um, right. And I think that I can't speak for anyone, but I think that most people that are in interracial relationships have to figure out how that works and mm -hmm. how the difference in, in who people are comes together in, to make a healthy relationship. And so. That's a, that's a little bit of how I would describe race play. It's just bringing yeah. it to the forefront. Okay, very nice. And that's also a very beautiful way to describe it. I'm in an interracial relationship as well, too. A lot of my content that comes out, whether I am filming like mainstream or um, my own content, it always tends to be interracial. Mm -hmm. um, and it's not by choice. I don't really have any problems with the, the, the content that I create, but it is another thing, too, where it's like you do focus on, you do have to, like you said, bring to light what you actually are right. in, into or what you're, what's being, what's being, how do I say this, what's being put out there, right? Yeah. What's being sold to people. Because um, race play, I my, my one time encounter that I had with race play was during, pan, during the pandemic. Okay. And um, I was camming. And this guy was like, oh, like, are you down for like race play? And I'm like, okay, like, I didn't know what it was. So yeah. I was like, okay, cool. Like maybe like, it's gonna call me like your little ebony goddess right, and right. all this. Like, I was like, oh, it'd be like your little almond roca right. joy, whatever. No, 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 no. It was completely opposite. He started dropping like in bombs okay. and was like, you know, um, you gotta get down and like, you know, worship this like superior white okay. cock. And like, for me, like I just, it was so shocking for me that I was just like, I was like, okay, like- I, This is I, not, this is not, 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 this is not, this is not the vibe. For sure. Um, 
So I And that's why I think people need to like be mindful of it because it's like that introducing someone in that sort of way, I wouldn't consider that race play where mm -hmm. it's like there's a right way to go about it and a wrong way, but I feel like with most types of fetishes, it would begin with consent. Exactly. And so like thinking of that being your first exposure to it, like that sounds like a terrible experience and I'm sorry that happened to you. Yeah. And it's like if this person really wanted to like introduce you to race play or was interested, they should have like done a better job describing like what their desires are or like, hey, I'm interested in a scenario where I'm a superior or I'm this or that and mm -hmm. being able to talk about the role and what it is so that you can decide for yourself like am I even interested in that like do I want that or maybe exactly. you need someone else who's interested in that exactly and so yeah I think that's a huge element of it is just like the consent and being able to even ask for what you want but I think that a big part of race play is I think the reins needs to be in the hands of people of color mm -hmm. um, because I think when it comes to language and fantasies um, it can be very dangerous if the wrong people use the, those words or if mm -hmm. they're using it not knowing whether or not the other person wants to hear that kind of language and so yeah lots of that and i probably should have done my research but like you know when you're kind of like you're in it you're like okay well this is in the moment this oh, person sure. wants to do like a private show i'm like okay well there's money involved yeah Obviously, you always like, want to make someone happy be, yeah you know, exactly you're trying to you know be with your business of so like course. that's another reason i wanted to do this episode is yeah. because i just needed a clarification of as course. well too because i know like it can't be i know there's like a there's a fine line and there are there's um there is an erogenous uh, zone to it, of right? Course. There's like this sexual fantasy behind it. And I'm like, I'd like to understand um, and kind of have a better better clarification, yeah. you know? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm sure like there's a lot of people too, cause like a big thing um, that's going on in the porn industry is like consent, right? Of so course. before we even start filming, we have to go through like a checklist of like your do's and don'ts. You have absolutely. to do it on camera. So people know like, what are your safe words? Like, what do you identify as? Different things like that. So I think like with race play, comes consent and yes. I think these two are, you know, hand in hand, hand, in hand and they Absolutely. need to be copacetic. So and how it, do you, how how were you introduced into um, race play? So I think the first thing that I ever saw that I think constituted race play was just a, a pornography scene. Mm -hmm. um, there was a, a place in San Francisco, it's a very iconic building, it's this bondage building where a lot of queer scenes are filmed. And I remember I was, I was very young, I was maybe like 17, 18 years old, and I saw a scene where it was a, it was an interracial scene and the, the white man was uh, assuming the dominant role and mm -hmm. he was sitting in like a throne and he had kind of like a Tom of Finland leather hat on mm -hmm. um, and he had a submissive of color who was in that role and he had like a, a chain around his neck similar to the one that I wear um, as a token of my submission and he was licking his boots mm -hmm. and just the whole image was like leaning into the interracial aspect a lot mm -hmm. but you could see that the person in the submissive role was in love with what they were doing and they were fully empowered by it and so, first of all, I saw that and I was like, I didn't know you were allowed to do that. Like, can, yeah. can you do that? Like, <laughs> yeah. can you like hearken stuff like that? Like, can we invoke mm -hmm. slavery? Can we talk about these things in a sexual way? Is that even possible? Mm -hmm. And so that just asked the question for me, which was already enough. Um, and it made me think about things in different ways. Like, how do power dynamics in interracial relationships work? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, as a submissive of color, is it possible for me to be penetrated by someone and me not be the submissive? Or mm -hmm. can I still have my agency regardless of what role I play in. And so that just really forced me to examine the roles and how people of different colors fit together when they're assuming those roles. Because, you know, you mentioned being in the industry yourself, sometimes we get lumped into these categories even if we don't necessarily want to, mm -hmm. right? And like some of the most popular categories in adult entertainment is like Ebony or like BBC. Mm -hmm. And it's like these are typifications on some level and sometimes we get put in it without wanting to. And so I think for me, race play is really just being able to like own that and like mm -hmm. own the color of my 
skin and be able to call myself, you know, a little Latino slut or yeah. a faggot and to yeah. just be able to own that and like that's mm -hmm. how I say it. Exactly. And so if I can call you myself that, then I can give other people permission too and that mm -hmm. can actually be uh, a form of empowerment the way that we sometimes take back words. Mm -hmm. um, but at the heart of it is, is always consent and when we don't have that, that's when it gets really dangerous and that's when we give people negative first experiences to these fetishes. Right, and you know, I think with people of color, um, the biggest thing is like the typecasting, right? So people are like, when you're like a submissive Afro-Latino, um, and then I am, you know, obviously African-American black woman, um, they're either gonna be like, oh, you should be like the aggressor. Right. You should be like this like super, like, it's like, no, I don't, I wanna, I can be soft and dainty. Right. I want I want to be submissive um, and kind of going back to like like the slavery and owning that up right and so my background is I am um, so I'm like Congolese and British right mm -hmm. so it's about 40% British but when you think about it it's like okay right. I come from like rape like it's like slaves that were raped right. right so the owners like you look at the family tree and you're like okay so this is how i was created right. like so that kind of goes back into like that whole history of like race play right you're like looking at like okay like the guy on the throne and like this it's like so i look at my history and like when you put two and two together you're like okay like this is how i got here right you know um but switching up the narrative and like you said taking back that power and making it something that you want to do and making it say like, oh, this is okay with me. Absolutely. You know, instead of people saying, oh, like, okay, like faggot or all like these different words, like these these terrible things that we tend to say. Right. Um, even like when it comes to like being Latino or being black, like you take those words back and say, okay, well, it's not gonna affect me anymore. Right. You know? Um, and I think a big part of that is, again, just kind of the idea of taking power back because there's a huge element in sex, but specifically BDSM, which mm -hmm. is like play therapy, that kind of concept. And so, you know, not to speak for anybody, but a large, there's a large overlap of people within the BDSM community who have also been victims of sexual assault or who have mm -hmm. experienced racism or violence. And from the outside, it's like, well, why would anyone want to be near anything that could even resemble their trauma? Mm -hmm. But, you know, when you kind of explore BDSM, especially the structure of it, you can learn even within psychology, there is play therapy and there is certain forms of play that can actually be helpful in um, taking back power or working mm -hmm. through scenarios where maybe you didn't have power in that. And so I, I definitely acknowledge a, a huge part of that. You know, To be, uh, I think, a brown person in America is to have a lot of racial anxiety. I don't mm -hmm. know if it's possible not to have that experience. Mm -hmm. um, and for me, one of the ways I could confront that was creating an archetype that represented a lot of the things that I was actually afraid of mm -hmm. and finding a way to literally like wrestle with them in a gladiatorial arena in front of a bunch of people. And in doing that, I realized that my audience was totally different than I thought. I thought I would be more so appealing to the kinds of people that I was attracted to, mm -hmm. but really I was appealing more to myself. Mm -hmm. And among the thousands of people that I've spoke to that have subscribed to me or followed my pages, the, the response I got is honestly similar to what I got when I was a performance poet, mm -hmm. which was like connection, which was like, I've never seen anything like this before. Thank you for making something that represents a fantasy that I had. Like this was something that lived inside of me that I didn't think that I could like share or talk about or like it all going back to shame and the fact that so many of us have shame before we have joy, especially with our sexuality or our identities. And so I think that's a huge part of it for sure. No, absolutely. I love that connection as well too, because it gives people like you're creating a space, right? Because yeah. like you said, like shame is always a big thing. So when you're watching something like, well, I feel embarrassed, like I'm turned on by this. Like, should I be having like these feelings? Um, is this person actually really enjoying themselves? Right. You know, there's all of these things that we kind of have to, um, 
internalize and kind of like take it back out. So I think like you creating that space because the niches, it's what, what people want, right? They, so me and my partner, okay, so I got like a lot of backlash because, okay, well, he just has like a normal size, you know, he just has a normal size dick. Like it's nothing like no porn star dick, but like most men in the world have normal size between like four and six inch okay. cocks, right? So I, I would get people that would message and be like, oh my God, like, you know, you can do better. Like you do bigger, I'm bigger than him. Like let's make content. Or then, then there was the majority of people that are like, hey! You kids, quit slamming my goddamn door! BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I love the fact that this is, it's nice because I can relate to this right. content. Like, I this can relate real. to see, like, this is real. Like, you just, now I know that, like, like girls like you can really do enjoy, like, being with someone that's, like, normal. Because it's, like, we all get, like, this this image in our head of Absolutely. it being, like, oh, like, you have to have, like, this eight-inch cock to, like, satisfy any woman, These right? These beauty standards that yeah. are just so unrealistic. And exactly. Absolutely. So creating that space for someone um, specific for, like, race play, too. It's, like, you, and I love the fact that you said that you were using it as like a diary. Yeah. And I think so. that is such a beautiful thing too because some people like they're just doing it for like, we're just doing it for money. We're just sure, putting out content. Sure. We don't care what, and I get that. Hey, hustle, get your right. bag, be in your bag. That's what it's always about. Um, but I think people see a lot of that genuinity. I don't know. Genuineness. I'm, genuine, I'm making up words today. What, what is happening with me? Yeah, making up shit today. <laughs> but um, that, yeah, that, 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 that feeling that yeah. you're creating people see that and they're like thank you like thank you for giving me like that experience it's not just like Absolutely. oh i was able to bust a nut no i right. got to experience and immerse myself in something that's like great and wonderful and beautiful yeah um and it hasn't all been like that you know there are course. some people you know you know to be real i've gotten death threats over the internet which i've also gotten from doing poetry so yeah. it's just like it's it's the same thing whether i was you know talking about white privilege in 2013 and mm -hmm. talking about racial injustices got death threats or now i'm in an interracial relationship doing things totally different like it's the same thing i think when you're really on your shit and you're being genuine i think you can strike nerves with certain people and sometimes it's the inspirational nerve where people are like yes like the connection and other times it's like the dude in your dm saying like oh i can please you so much more mm -hmm. than so and so like those people sometimes get called to action but there's so many more people that seem to appreciate it and and that's really at least for me what it's all been about yeah and it's crazy too because like i i started off as like um i started off being like a fashion model right so nothing with taking my clothes off i then i did swimwear and then i did just kind of my clothes just kept coming off every year that i kept modeling um but i remember this woman she like she posted on every single one of my photos and i think i had just done like a it was like a swimwear fashion week or something and i had done um 
posted some photos from it and this lady had posted in all my photos i'm gonna kill you i'll find you because like i guess her husband or partner or somebody had liked one of my photos and it's like no matter what you do no matter you're always gonna get you know you can please some of the people some of the time some of the time but you can't please people all the time it's true so it doesn't matter like getting like the death threats and it does suck you know, because you would think that people are going to be more progressive and more liberal nowadays, but no, it, it's not happening. If anything, with social media and all these different things, it's bringing up a lot of like sediment that's been settled down, right? So p- things that <clears throat> that people have turned a blind eye to, it's all coming to surface, and people are making it more um, relevant and Absolutely. known. Um, but I guess my next question for you is, how did you get your partner? into race play or were, or were they already into race play yeah. or? So for uh, my partner, we have like an interesting uh, love story. I always think that the truth of, of how we met is, is stranger than the fiction. So I met him on Tinder and at the time he was a, a straight guy, mm-hmm. um, had never been with anybody before. And so that was kind of like our, our first experience. And so everything that we did was kind of new and, and for the first time. Um, and one of the things that really surprised me about my partner, and I still to this day I, I honor, was how brave he was. Because even when he was trying to figure out who he was, he was still completely like selfless and like loving me and getting to know me. And I've always respected and admired that about him. Um, but it was it wasn't until maybe like a year and a half into our relationship that I even really mentioned the race play. I think that there was certain things that I said or like you know wanting to be called certain names that it kind of leaned in that direction. Um, but it wasn't until um, we were living together, you know, we were kind of a little bit more settled that I was just brave enough to ask for what I want and just to be like, hey, babe, like, I know this is like really weird, but like, I would like for you to do these certain things or say these certain things because it's I, it's helping me work through certain things and it's mm-hmm. related to anxiety that I have and I want to experience this and I want you to be the one to do it because I love you and I trust you. And being able to have that was was a blessing. And I think that you know, was he maybe a different person? He might have been like, you know, I can't do that or I'm not interested in that and that would have been valid, but he was willing to meet me halfway and as a result, we were able to create a, a really amazing experience that we we're able to share in front of millions of people, which is awesome. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. I think the whole the whole backdrop of the story is beautiful, <laughs> right? It's like, I love that. I feel like people, like, I feel like your fans, I don't know if you share your story yeah, with your fans do. of like how you guys met or like if you guys are more um, open. I know some people, they don't really, they don't mix their, For sure. yeah, their relationship and things like that. But I'm sure, they, how do your fans feel about it? How do they it's like really the cool. whole? It's really cool. We're able to kind of have our whole relationship kind of be on display. So, you know, we just got back from Virginia. We were there for Mm -hmm. a whole week and, you know, being able to like post pictures and our fans be able to comment, you know, we have other people that are in interracial relationships and they'll send pictures of them and they'll just be like, you know, we love what you do and we really appreciate it. And it's, it's been really incredible. And my fans have totally changed my life. Sex work has totally changed my life. Um, You know, before I started doing any of this, I was, you know, on unemployment, I was on Mm -hmm. food stamps, um, you know, credit card debt, student loans, all of that just two years ago. And sex work really gave me a a vehicle to to change my life. And so um, I'm really grateful for it and also for the people that were feeling the same thing that I did at one point or another and were willing to move past that shame because they wanted to make a connection by seeing this kind of content, which is really what it's about. Nice, amazing. Do you have any advice for people who would like to start doing race play or also being like a male performer? We don't have enough male performers. <laughs> There's not enough. There is not enough. And yeah. I think I, I would like to, I guess, do a call to action to any man or anyone that identifies with being a man or masculinity. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a place for you in pornography. It doesn't even have to be related to race play. There, mm-hmm. There is a seat at the table. 
Um, and I think all bodies are valid. And, mm -hmm. and I think a lot of people are, are waiting for that call to action to just give it a try. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to show your face. You don't have to give away your identity. Mm -hmm. um, there are ways that you can put a little bit of skin in the game without having to go all the way. Exactly. Um, and I think if you if you want to do it, similar to kind of like how we've always kind of had that desire that, mm -hmm. that I think most people really know deep down inside if that's what they want. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, I encourage you to at least give it a shot if you really think uh, it could be for you. Yeah, I always want to give people like this space. I'm like, this is the space. Like, right? <laughs> I always tell people, like, if you guys want to do it, then do it. And then I always tell people as well that it's not for everybody. Sure. And don't feel forced to think that it is for everybody. But I always will say that this is like a place to, I always support sex work um, and giving people a space to do sex work. Like you said, whether you identify with anything, whatever your fetish, your kink, as long as you're not hurting anyone intentionally or like abusing somebody, like, you know, all those crazy things. But... You know, we all love you. You're welcome here. And I wish there were more men. Like, that's my goal this year is I'd love to find more men who do sex work. Do sex work. Absolutely. Um, just because, you know, women, we love we love us, but we love to see men get down, too. Men love to see men get down. We women know. love to see men get down just as much as, you know, women are loved and um, appreciated. So if you, if, what would you give advice for um, to anyone who was just going in with the blind eye with no previous sex work experience. I think the best thing to film and to watch is the kind of content that you're already into. It's mm -hmm. it's the shit that you are already doing. It's already probably in your camera roll on your phone. That's what someone wants to see because there's nothing more delicious, sexy, and intoxicating than seeing someone enjoy what makes them happy. It does not matter what it is. And I think if you know what that is or if you found it, um, you should get as close to it as you possibly can. And if you're the kind of person that wants to be seen while doing it, there are people that want to watch you and there's people that'll pay you to do it. Yeah, if there, there's one thing that never goes out of style, it's porn, okay? Mm -hmm. That's if you, if you are a functioning human being and you're able and you're willing and you're okay with your sexuality, you'll never be without work. And you can really change your life around, not to say like it should be a forever thing, um, but like if you if you really do take the steps, you could be doing really well. And I'm glad that you got yourself out of like such a sticky situation, financial situation, because same thing for myself too. even taking the steps to become a starting off being a stripper, sugar baby. It's because like I needed to get myself back on track after, you know, leaving such a harsh relationship and getting dropped on my fucking ass. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, and then you just kind of have to depend on yourself and really get yourself together and like say hey like this is what this is what I gotta do we gotta hustle we gotta Absolutely. we gotta keep it going I can't sit here and sulk and like you know do these different things but it is always a pleasure of course thank you so I much I think for that me. this might be another co-host what do Maybe. you guys think I think we need some male some male inspiration I, I would love to and this is such a cool spot and, and to you and to all the, the minds that made this happen I, I really appreciate it and it really is a pleasure to be here so thank you guys yeah absolutely and if people want to find you or follow you on um, social media or find you on OnlyFans and all yeah. your websites you can go ahead and Give us all those fun. Give yeah. us all the sneaky um, links. So yeah, uh, if you want to look me up, uh, my adult name is Wasp Hunter. I'm on uh, a Pornhub. I'm on OnlyFans. Um, anywhere where boy pussy is sold, you can find me. So uh, I'd love to see you, and I'd love to earn your subscription. Absolutely. Okay, one last question. Is Badissi boy pussy? I've been trying to figure that out for like, so, my friend had this Badissi. I feel like the, the lexicon is very evolving every day. <laughs> and I feel like there's no right or wrong way. So if you want to use it that way, no one's gonna tell you that you're wrong. Okay, because we were trying to figure out Badissi. I think it, I thought it was boy pussy. I feel like it's a derivative, but I, 
See, I don't even know. Like, I feel like we might have just both learned something today. Well, we just created a whole nother scenario. <laughs> yeah. But if you want to watch him pop his badisi, those are the links to Absolutely. follow. And it's always a pleasure. Thank you so much. And we look forward to having you back soon. Um, until then, stay hustling, my little bunnies. Take care. Bye. <laughs>